can I say, folks? It's another night of After Dark with Robin Andrew on the America Out Loud platform. You can visit us on americaoutloud.news. We have a new site. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to go and look at it, but I would encourage you to go and check it out. Great new ways you can search for articles. I mean, there's a lot of information there. There's a health section. There's a book section. Again, AmericaOutloud.news. You want to go there so that and you will be entertained and informed. My host tonight is Heather Robinson of the New York Post. She's joining me. And we haven't spoken since uh, the last year. Do you guys find it funny how people like to make those jokes toward the end of the year when they say, oh, I'll see you next year. And you pause, you're like, wait a minute. Is it though there's like some long period? Well, actually, it's just a day that you're going to see them into a new year. But a lot of people get a kick out of saying, oh, we'll see you next year, or we'll see you here, or good luck next year. I always find it interesting or funny toward the end of the year how people like to make those jokes. But uh, nevertheless, Heather, how are you tonight? I'm doing great, Rob. I'm doing fine. How about you? Doing good. So how was your, as I said, we haven't spoken since last year. <laughs> uh, how, was your, uh, how was your new year? How was your holidays, Hanukkah? Oh. Just fine, thank you. Nice and quiet. Um, okay. I, I was in New York a bit and Pittsburgh, and um, I'm, yes, my, my stomping grounds, you know. And uh, yeah, New York seemed to be lit up and, you know, doing all right, although we know the city's changed some. Um, but, uh, but all was, was well with me. I'm very lucky. So, Heather, considering that you go between New York and uh, is it Philadelphia or Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. And we've spoken about this before. Do you think that city has changed uh, over the past few years? Do you see a change? New York City. Oh, yeah, Mm -hmm. I do, Rob. Uh, You know, maybe because of, you know, being an independent journalist. uh, You know, I do write regularly for the Post, but I also I'm freelance. So I, I have hours that are move around. And I spend a lot of time walking during the days. And I'm often out in the street. And I see, I think, a lot of things that, you know, maybe people who are more in the nine to five, maybe, you know, it's not right in people's faces as much. I see a lot more homelessness, a lot more mentally ill roaming the streets, you know, some of them seeming aggressive. I think it's very unfair to the mentally ill themselves and to the public. I notice more uh, weed smell in New York, more general kind of... um, disarray and aggressive bikers nearly running people down. I just feel that it's, it, you know, I go there and I, I, you know, I, I deal with it. I just don't feel it's remotely the city it was in the nineties or the early two thousands when you really could take the subway at any hour and feel reasonably sta- safe. I mean, look, there's no absolute ironclad guarantee of perfect safety in the world anywhere. But you, I think you could, you know, as a woman, generally not feel any more unsafe on the subway, say, than you do just taking a walk outside your own house. You know, it wasn't like you felt there were there was disorder. There's a kind of, I mean, I love the NYPD and I feel for them. You know, most of them are good people. A lot of them are minorities themselves. You know, I just. I do get the sense that they may be somewhat handcuffed, you know, in terms of what they can do. Last time I was in New York, Rob, you know, just over the holidays, I was in the subway and I was getting ready to get on. And I saw a couple of uh, transit cops, I guess. 
Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I think they were they're police, but they're like the police who serve in the subway. And, you know, I nodded to them. I always do. I often try to thank the cops when I see them. And, you know, they, they nodded to me. We talked a little. There was a man who came down and was smoking a cigarette. And they, one of the police officers said to him, you know, nicely, he said, sir, you know, that's not legal. I need to ask you to go upstairs. You can't smoke in the station. The guy just kept smoking, saying, you know, where's your warrant? What are you going to do? And, you know, the, this police officer said to him, sir, you know, you're not a young punk. You're a grown man and you can understand the difference between legal and illegal. And I'm asking you nicely to f- obey the law and please put out that cigarette. The guy just stood there, smoked his cigarette, just disregarded the cop, took his time, you know, and then eventually wandered back up. But my point in sharing this story, Rob, is I thought to myself, look, I mean, I don't want to live in a police state. I'm not saying these people should have, God forbid, you know, cracked the guy's skull. But I mean, there has to be some threat. I hate to say it, but when there is zero threat of any kind of force, you know, for just just disobeying a police officer's instruction, it's an invitation to crime, to violence. I think the police are on defense in New York. They're forced onto extreme defense from what I could see. And fortunately in that case, look, I mean, I'm not saying they should have tackled the guy. I don't, you know, I don't know what appropriate response would have been, but the point is they're not, it didn't seem like they were empowered to do anything other than to tell someone what they're doing is against the law. And if the person talks back to them and disregards them, I mean, you get the feeling that a person would have to physically assault them or somebody for them to be able to do anything at all. And so that's what it comes to. I think there's that's why there is more physical violence. It's it's like criminals and you know people in general are empowered to push the limits. So it's not that the NYPD aren't there. I think that Mayor Adams is trying. I think you see them everywhere, but my impression is that they're in this sort of passive mode because they're so afraid of being accused of something, maybe. Is that your impression? It is. And I, and I hear that often, you know, in different, not just in New York City, but you he, you're hearing this in a lot of our big states that are under control of liberals. And I'm not trying to poke fun at liberals, but I am going to call it out. You look at California, you look at Los Angeles, you look at San Francisco, Sacramento, you look at New Orleans, you look at Atlanta, Detroit, Chicago, Baltimore. And the list goes on and on and on. And you look at who's in charge, and it's Democrats. And it's the Democrats, uh, their policies or their lack of policies that have just opened the door to all this lawlessness. And we've spoken about this on many occasions, how right is wrong and wrong is right. And you look at the situation that occurred on Harvard with the firing of Claudine Gay. And we spoke about this, Andrew and I, on one of our shows, as well as B.B. Diamond, how the left is trying to make it seem as if though she's she was fired because she's a black woman. And they're trying to appeal to black women that, oh, they're, they're, they're firing black women and she was very qualified. Well, if she was so qualified, why did she plagiarize? And no one has offered an apology to Dr. Carol Swain. No one has said that she lifted from this woman's body of work. 
Mm-hmm. But what about mm-hmm. that black woman, that. Al Sharpton? Yeah. I mean, Al Sharpton, he was out the other day protesting in front of Bill Ackerman's office saying that this is not right. They're firing her because she's black. It's like, no, black people wake up. This is just a money grab for Al Sharpton. Al Sharpton sees that he can make money off this, so he's going to do it. Claudine Gay plagiarized. Claudine Gay should have been fired. She was not qualified for that position, plain and simple. And for her to come out, and say that she's being attacked because she's a black woman is very disingenuous. It's a slap in the face to black women who have endured. It is a slap in the face of Rosa Parks, all of our civil rights icon, who had to endure injustices. And this woman, knowing that she was not qualified, hasn't even offered an apology. And they fired her and she was able to keep her $900,000 job. Now, while they're saying that, oh, no, this is this wouldn't have happened to a black, a white woman. Well, look at what happened to Liz McGill of the University of Penn. They let her go. Look at what happened to the president, the former president of Harvard, when they found out he had plagiarized. Look at what happened to the president of, I think it was Stanford, when they found out that he had plagiarized. And these were white men. So I don't want to hear that they're going after her because she is a black woman. I mean, these, the, all these injustices that Democrats are pointing to, the liberals are pointing to, it is a slap in the face of all those people who have endured injustices. And for them to come out uh-huh. and to say this, I'm like, how, how dare you? How dare mm-hmm. you say this when we see injustices are being committed? And not only that, you look at Hunter Biden, look at what he's getting away with or is trying to get away with. If he were a black man, Al Sharpton, ABC, NBC, PMS, NBC, fake news, CNN, New York Times, Washington Post. If he were a black man like Jesse Jackson Jr., he would be in jail. Jesse Jackson Jr. went to jail for what what he had done with his taxes and misusing funds. Look at Wesley Snipes, Kodak Black, the singer. And the list goes on and on and on. But the media will not point it out the same way the media will not point out that Donald Trump didn't do anything wrong when he was on Jeffrey Epstein's plane back in 1996, I think. And the moment he found out the character of Jeffrey Epstein, because it's all about the content of character, he distanced himself from it. But what they want to do right now is say, oh, well, Bill Clinton was on the plane, and so was Donald Trump. But what was Bill Clinton doing? And when you speak to the women who were victimized on Epstein's island, they said that, no, Trump did nothing. But Bill Clinton did have a pension for young girls. Bill Clinton did get massages. And when Bill Clinton found out of Epstein's behavior, his content of character, he still decided to keep going there. But see, they don't want to point that out. The media want to point out, oh, well, Donald Trump was there also. And because they want to try to tie him in on it, although there's no evidence that he did anything nefarious and no one has come out to point to him to say that he's done something nefarious. So what's wrong is right and what's right is wrong. And that is the reason why I would submit to you that we see the breakdown of our criminal justice system. We see the breakdown of our culture, of our society with lawlessness because of the failed policies of the Democrat Party or the lack of policies. Either way, it's a bad idea. But that's what we're up against mm-hmm. here now, Heather. So yes, I've mm-hmm. seen the disintegration of, of, of our cities, of New York City, because like you said, in the 90s, when it was being turned around, it was turned around by 2000, and all the way up until Bill de Blasio came into power, I think it was in 2013, that's when things started to fall apart. And the people knew what he was going to do. So all of you who voted for him thinking, oh, no, he was going to help the city. No, he wasn't. And now where is he now? Separated from his wife. Apparently, they're saying he was seeing a married woman. Who knows? Who cares? But he gets a cushiony job 
Where? At Harvard. Who was at Harvard? Claudine Gay. Who else is at Harvard? Lori Lightfoot. And then so many other failed people in the Democrat Party. I think there was a, uh, a journalist from CNN. He's giving a class at Harvard. It's like, wait a minute. Why are these people who have failed, who have done nothing but destroy society, why, on the, why are they on these college campuses? Well, they're there, Heather, to continue the indoctrination so that when those kids get out, they will continue the failed agenda because they're being indoctrinated as opposed to being told the truth. And if you were to take one of them and say, look around, you look at the city, they would say, oh, it's okay. Why can't people live on the streets? Why can't the mentally ill wander around and attack people? Why can't we continue to bring in illegal aliens, although it's a burden on our society and we can barely take care of our own residents? Why is it, are we gonna give free healthcare to illegals when we have our own citizens trying to get healthcare? But in their eyes, Heather, it's all okay. It's going to be okay. And then when they're called out on it, who do they blame? Oh, it's Republicans. Republicans don't want the policies. Republicans, Republicans, Republicans. And again, we have a complicit media that will not call them out. And I will say this every night on the show until someone listens and make good on it. I know that you disagree, Heather, but I think the current media in its current form needs to be shut down. Not a free press, but the media that is the propaganda arm of a political party needs to be shut down because it is a threat to democracy. It is very dangerous. And as I said on one of our other shows, we are marching toward a civil war, another civil war. Well, I hear you, Rob, but I think that, you know, shutting down outlets is not the answer because it's, we just have to get out there with our outlets and our facts and our arguments. And that's the only way you can't have government shutting down media. Believe me, that's what the other side wants to do, too. They've been talking about it for years. They can't stand it that there's even one prominent conservative outlet, Fox News. And, you know, in their mind, it's <laughs> you know, like, like, you know, it's a threat to democracy if somebody they don't like wins. It's a threat to democracy if an, a media company uh, includes and, and highlights perspectives they disagree with. But that is the totalitarian mindset. And that's why we the answer is more speech. So um, but yeah, I mean. We're definitely, you know, going to have a busy year. There's looks like the polls are showing that Mr. Trump is leading Biden, I think. And uh, even among the general electorate. Is that is that what you're seeing? I am seeing that. But do you think that, yes, it, it will be a busy year, as you mentioned. But do we think with all the lawlessness, all the corruption, that they will allow that to continue because I still I question the 2020 election, every election since then. And I think that the, the Democrat Party became emboldened when they were able to put in place their nefarious plan to stop Trump in 2020. And I hear the conversations. I hear people saying, oh, well, they think that people, more people voted for Joe Biden, but they, they weren't informed because we had a social media that was complicit, that was suppressing information. And in essence, they were actually suppressing the vote of Americans, not letting Americans be informed of the backgrounds of the candidates. Now, of course, they threw everything about Trump. Well, we want them to know about this and X, Y, Z. But with Joe Biden, they suppressed it. And now we have the information that's out. But what are they telling us? No, don't believe it. You can't believe this. It, there's no big deal. There's nothing to it. We see that Joe Biden was actually 
involved with his son Hunter Biden's business deals. Oh, there's nothing there. Oh, look at what Trump did. Trump did the exact same thing, but Trump didn't do it. I, re I read an article the other day. They were trying to say that Trump was able to enrich himself off of his hotels because he got different, uh, uh, what was it, a state officials, country officials to go and stay at his hotels. But they wouldn't, they did not report and, and have not reported that whenever these state officials went to his hotels, he would donate the money back to the government the same way he did with his salary. So we, in essence, had a man working as a president wow. and wasn't being paid. He was doing it for free. Uh -huh. But the media will not talk about that. They want to keep saying that he's greedy. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Joe Biden is amassing mm -hmm. all this wealth, these vacation homes on a government salary, and no one has stopped to say, how is he able to make all that money on a government salary? And he mm -hmm. hasn't written any books the same way Claudine Gay hadn't written any books to become a professor. You know, we're <laughs> a, I, I'm serious. We're up against a commercial break, but I want to talk about that a little bit more about uh, Claudine Gay. I want to talk about uh, Sally Cornbluth because you had shared with me during our planning that she was one of the worst offenders with this entire uh, college gate. Seems like. Uh, right. So we'll go to commercial break and we'll be back. So stay tuned to more After Dark with Robert Andrew and my guest host, Heather Robinson. Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death and disability. Today's high-stress, on-the-go lifestyle makes it hard to stay heart-healthy. Lifestyle changes like exercise and diet are critical, but you can also support your heart with concentrated nutrients. Healthy Cell created heart and vascular health to support three aspects of heart health, cholesterol, blood pressure, and triglycerides, with CoQ10, vitamin K2, resveratrol, and soluble fiber. And Healthy Cell's not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients. You would need to take 13 pills to get the same amount of nutrients in each gel pack. And these great tasting gels come in a small packet. Tear off the top, shoot it down, or mix it in water. Get heart healthy. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD for 25% off. Cofix RX Nasal Solution has completed the circle and is now offering throat spray with povidone iodine. That completes the protocol doctors like Peter McCullough recommend. If staying healthy is important, you'll want to make sure to add throat spray to your next order of Cofix RX. For a limited time and exclusive for America Out Loud listeners only, you can save 25% off your entire order. Let's double down against colds, flus, strep, RSV, HRV, COVID, and more. Click the banner or go to America Out Loud shop to get 25% off your entire order. Use coupon code OUTLOUD25. That's coupon code OUTLOUD25. And we are back with After Dark with Robin Andrew and my special host, Heather Robinson. I want you guys to know that Heather is going to be a frequent host on our show, giving her opinions. Uh, the folks here at the station, they really like Heather. They're going to try to get her on some more shows. She and BB Diamond. We're just fortunate that we were able to find her. She's a good friend of our show, and she so graciously uh, give her time to come in. And folks, I got to tell you, you you also, I would encourage you all to look her up on social media, follow her on Twitter, and look at some of the articles that she's writing, because they are very informative, and they're powerful. And it's, I mean, just to have someone who's on our side, when I say our side, a conservative writer who is open, and she sees 
both sides. Now, sometimes I can be kind of monolithic in my view. Like I said, I want them to shut down the media in its current form. But Heather sees things completely differently. She's a conservative, but at the same time, she understands the situation and she assesses it. So again, I would encourage you to go and follow her on social media. You will be hearing more of her on After Dark with Robin Andrew. Now, Heather, when we went to break, talking about the uh, Harvard scandal and also about Jeffrey Epstein and how they keep trying to tie Trump to it to say Trump did something bad. But what the media won't say is that all of these women who are accusing these other individuals of misconduct have all said that Trump did absolutely nothing. Now, that's interesting because usually Mm -hmm. someone would say, oh, well, no, uh, he did do this. And even one of the uh, attorneys for one of these young ladies, he said that, no, in fact, he said that Trump called him up and said, hey, I'll talk to you, tell you whatever you want to know of what I know about Jeffrey Epstein. Mm -hmm. I'll give you all the time you want. Whereas when they reached out to Bill Clinton, Bill Clinton said, no, absolutely not. I have nothing to say. Bill Clinton, who who was in a picture in Mm -hmm. Jeffrey Epstein's house wearing a blue dress, (laughs) go figure. But the media won't report on that. They will leave it with Trump was there also. And they want to allow your imagination to go wild and say, oh, why was Trump there? Maybe Trump was doing something nefarious. But no one has said it. Meanwhile, the other mm-hmm. individuals like Bill Clinton and Chris Andrew, unfortunately, they are saying that there were some, you know, some things that they shouldn't have been doing. So why do you? Th- well, I don't want to ask you, why do you think they're doing it? Because we know why, Heather. But I mean, why would a media the people trust? Why would they come out with such propaganda or with innuendo and not report the whole story, Heather? Well, I think we know that they have done everything they can to throw everything they can, smear Trump in any way they can for all these years, whether it's the Russia collusion hoax, whether it's destroying the fortunes of anyone who stood by him in his quest to re-examine the uh, 2020 election. Um, Clearly, there's a big agenda, to say the least, on the part of uh, the Democrats in our government, and they've weaponized government agencies to try to do everything from block investigations into the Biden family to, to, to... submit claims against Trump that turned out to be baseless, um, such as this accusation that he was dealing, you know, illegally with Russia. So we've seen thing after thing. And I think that that it's becoming more and more clear to more people that there's a big agenda to keep Trump out of the White House. And it's it's the ultimate, whatever it is, it certainly isn't democratic. It's, it's trying to, to weaponize institutions and, you know, it, government institutions like the FBI, like our Justice Department that are supposed to be apolitical, you know, in favor of one party and against someone in another party. And we know this, and the media is, uh, tends to be anti-Trump, even though he's the biggest moneymaker for them. So it's a symbiotic thing and a weird thing, but... Um, yeah, I mean, in terms of why, I, we, I mean, we've talked about it a lot, Rob. I think that a lot of people have built big careers on bashing Trump. I think that that has probably been the simplest way to catapult your career. 
as a, a journalist. I mean, there are a couple people I can think of offhand who I, I think have very middling talent who became hugely famous, successful writers during the Trump years. And I mean, I, these people really do virtually nothing but bash Donald Trump. It's been a mystery to me how it's not boring already to, to a lot of people. I mean, how much of the same thing can you hear? But I think a lot of it has to do with people's reluctance to really sit down and study the issues. That takes time and intellect and patience. It's not always fun and easy. It's not. And I think a lot of people are lazy and, and bashing Trump makes them feel smart. It makes them feel informed. They don't know the details of Trump's policies or positions or the policies or positions of the politicians they support. They just know in a very overall way, some of them, you know, but it's, it's you know, in the, we know this. And so it's, it's an easy shorthand. It's an easy way to feel superior, to bash Trump to act like he and his supporters are all racist. It's, it's a dumbing down and a, um, a group think, and it's a mania. That's the best I can tell you do. And I, I don't know. I mean, I've been interested to contemplate whether Trump really has a chance of winning back the presidency. The one thing I will say that's a little bit of a, a logical conundrum, I think is much as I, you know, I am a conservative-leaning independent, uh, by the way. I, I'm not, you know, um, I don't consider myself a Republican or a Democrat, but I, I have been a Trump supporter, and I, I'm hoping he can do it again. However, um, I don't quite understand how he thinks it's going to be doable if he really believes that uh, 2020 was fixed. I mean, I kind of feel like if that's really what he believes, and I, I don't personally know the truth about that. I don't, I think, I don't, I don't know if anybody really knows, but what I wonder is how, you know, what's going to stop the powers who he believes monkeyed with things from doing that all over again. And maybe there are reforms in place, but I mean, it seemed to me that from, it just seemed that the objections that, uh, Mayor Giuliani and others raised were absolutely smashed down on. Not only it wasn't enough for the courts to dismiss these lawsuits, they you know went on and essentially have destroyed the careers of Giuliani, of of anybody who who stood with Trump in that those legal battles, which I think is terrible. I mean, whether you believe the election was fixed or not. This is a free country. It shouldn't be against the law to file a lawsuit. I don't understand. No one's been able to explain to me, you know, what it was that was illegal, why Rudy Giuliani should be destroyed. But anyway, those lawsuits were all thrown out. So, I mean, it just seems to me that there's a lot of um, anti-Trump sentiment built in, baked into the cake in terms of the, the courts and the um the election authorities in these different states. I haven't followed that closely what's been going on the past few years. I do, I have heard that the Republicans have tried to tighten up um, the security around voting, but if they're going to go back to all this mail-in voting and all of that, I, I don't know what makes anybody think they couldn't, you know, monkey around with it again. Do you know? Well, you're right. And they will try to do it again. And you do raise a valid point as to why does Trump think that 
if they did it then that they're not going to do it again. Well, they are going to do it again. We know that. They're going to do it again. They have no choice but to do it again. And I think that they already have the apparatuses in place to do it again. But I think first what they're trying to do is to stop him by the courts. If the courts don't stop him, they'll try to stop him by, you know, look at the different secretaries of the states who are trying to interpret the law on their own. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist. It doesn't take a... A, a, a seasoned lawyer to know that what they're doing right now is if they're playing around with the law, they're playing around with the justice system, they're trying to interpret the Constitution uh, with their own interpretation. And this just goes back to what we were talking about when we opened up, the disintegration of our society, the disintegration of the rule of law. We see it on the streets, we see it being played out in our cities, is now being played out in our justice system. And our legal system with all these lawsuits to stop Trump is being played out across the whole spectrum. And we see it is impacting everything from education. You look at Harvard, you look at our legal system, the police department, you look at our schools. It's all over in our neighborhoods. And it does not work. We need law and order. And these individuals who are telling us that it's okay, that what we're doing is right, it's wrong. It's being played out politically. It's being played out globally. It's being played out on the world stage. You look at what's happening in Israel and Hamas, and you have people in the United States that's supporting Hamas. They're shutting down during the holiday period. You had people protesting, stopping major roadways, going to airports and stopping, uh, trying to stop travelers from traveling. It is the disintegration of the rule of law and common sense. And this is what happens when people are indoctrinated. And we see this played out in history. When you forget history, you're doomed to repeat it. We saw this in Nazi Germany. We saw this most recently in China, overseas in Venezuela. It's all over. And when you don't have a media to hold anyone accountable, the disintegration goes even faster. And then I read the other day or Mm -hmm. saw on the news that you have these... uh, Billionaires who are now building bunkers in Hawaii and Alaska because they're afraid that the disaster that they've created is going to come back and haunt them, and their only way to escape it is to build these underground bunkers. They know that what they have done is a recipe for disaster. And as I mentioned on one of our other shows, that a civil war is coming. They know it. They know that we cannot sustain this. America isn't perfect, okay? But look at how fast we're going downhill with everyone believing a lie. So going back to your question, what what, what do you think, think Trump thinks is going to change, what's going to be different? I hope he knows that there's nothing going to be different. Even if he wins, and I hope he does, even then he will still have to deal with the deep state because you will have seasoned individuals, silver servants, still working in Washington. And I will submit to you something else. As I said about the media needs to be shut down in its current form, We need to move the seat of our government out of Washington. We need to move the FBI out of Washington, send it to middle America, send it to Texas, but any place other than Washington, it can operate outside of DC because what you have right now is a pool of swampers, a pool of ideologues who cannot think outside the box other than their little wokeism. We need to move it outside of Washington. We need to move the CIA. It was good at a point in time, but now it needs to change because if it doesn't change, we are moving so fast with the decline, the destruction of our society, the destruction of America, a destruction of the United States of America, because right now we're not united. We are so completely divided. 
And we have to look at the Democrats who did this. And I would go a step farther to say that Barack Obama was one of the chief architects of this. And if you don't want to say he's a chief architect, he was one of the major players. And he is still there, quiet. No one is pointing the finger at him. All of this is by design. All of this we can lay at his foot. And it's not a good thing. So, yes, he was the first black president. He was also the first black president who had it in for the country, whom I don't think liked the country, because on many occasions when you would see him out at different events, he refused to say the Pledge of Allegiance. He wouldn't put his hand over his heart. And some would say, oh, that's symbolic. But you are the leader of the free world. Show some respect. You wouldn't be where you were today if it wasn't for this country. But to show disregard and contempt, I have contempt for him. And I will never forgive him for where he has brought this country. Never forgive him. It is a crime that is unforgivable. And I doubt he would ever come out and apologize. When I talk about this, I just, it, it rages me because I'm like, I cannot believe that within a matter of time, look at where we are, the destruction of the country, believing that segregation is the right thing, discrimination, all uh, couched under DEI, another form of segregation and discrimination. Martin Luther King is not having a good rest in his grave because of this, Heather. Yeah, that's terrible. You know, but I mean, you may know more about it than I do, Rob, but to me, it seems like Obama was not nearly as as um, extreme as what followed him. And I know he's been a disappointment in terms of speaking out and trying to bring some sense to things. I agree. But I mean, I don't I mean, I think even he is uh i mean he's i don't know that i mean he was not as extreme as this young generation of people who are we've seen what erupted on these campuses and as i've said before rob i wasn't really shocked because when i saw in the summer of 2020 that people were saying you know even though things were being lit on fire and people were being beaten up on the street going the wrong way and there were dozens of americans killed and hundred actually thousands of police officers you know injured and we were told no it's mostly peaceful you have to just keep repeating like a mantra it's peaceful it's not going to spread the virus it's democratic it's patriotic no 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 those aren't riots that you're seeing and the rest of the country must be locked down except for angry leftists for six months you know when i saw and heard that as you know that was the moment I realized we were in an Orwellian reality where what the left says is true is true. And if you question that too volubly, you are an enemy of the state because as long as they're in, in power and uh, wield power in the institutions of this country, they will distort, they will criminalize thought and perception that contradicts what they want. They're totalitarians. I, I saw that at that moment. So nothing that's followed has surprised me. If anything, I, I expected it to be worse by now uh, because I found that so chilling. It was so, such complete just defiance of reality. It was just such a massive two plus two equals five and you will all say it i mean on such a mass scale that i felt once that happened a rubicon had been crossed and you know i didn't know what was the, the future was if anything i've been i've been pleasantly surprised i think that when the virus eased intentions calmed 
I'm not giving credit to the left because I think that they, the only reason they calm down is they go out their way with the election. And maybe they exhausted themselves to some degree because I think most of them are, most of them are not really highly motivated individuals. And I think that whatever combination of factors kind of things have, have kind of taken a more, um, you know, a calm turn until this recent eruption with October 7th. And we've seen it with the pro-Palestinian mobs. Uh, but I, you know, I knew that, that we were living in a matrix where a certain segment of the society had been brainwashed. And so now what we're seeing on the campuses, you know, a lot of people are shocked. I'm not personally shocked. Um, I think that you're dealing with a totalitarian mindset, a kind of modern Marxism that uses race instead of class um, to divide people into, you know, literally black and white and, you know, looks at everything in this very Manichaean reductionist black and white simplistic uh, paradigm. It's a lazy way of thinking, uh, like any prejudice is. But I've, we've seen it elevated and called education. I think that it, it taps into very deep undercurrents, as we've t- discussed in our society, terrible guilt about slavery and the sins and mistakes of the past that perhaps were not dealt with properly. Um, I think, though, that it's created a kind of, it's kind of um, taken that, something that's never been handled well. And it has channeled it in a way that's very unhealthy, very negative, onto our young people. Right. I want to pick this yeah. up on the other side of the break because I want to uh, delve into that a little more about how it has, uh, you know, passed down to our young people. And again, we see that on our college campuses. You're listening to After Dark with Robin Andrew on the America Out Loud platform. We'll be back after this commercial break. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company discuss the harmful effects of spike protein in your body. And now they found the solution, the miracle enzyme natokinase. Their spike support formula contains natokinase the most compelling and scientifically supported approach to safely clear spike protein out of the body. What's more, spike support is optimized with other all-natural, non-GMO ingredients, like dandelion root, to help prevent spike protein from binding to your cells. Everyone should take daily spike support so you can feel your best. America Out Loud listeners can go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system becomes less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. 
Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. So this is the last half of the show. And when we went to break, we were talking about, or Heather was discussing how this, what we see this happening in society that we don't like is being passed on, passed on rather, to the younger generation. And we see this uh, with our young people and them not understanding what's happening in Israel and them taking the side of a terrorist group. A decade ago, we would have never saw this. Even five years ago, Heather, this would not, we would have never envisioned, I never saw this coming, that there would be a day that we would wake up and we would see people rallying, protesting for a terrorist group, a group that they know nothing about. But it just goes back to what we were saying when we opened up the show with the lawlessness, how things were peaceful, and then all at once, you start seeing little rips of the scene, and then it's just like exploded. And we see this on our college campuses. And when you have university presidents who cannot come out and denounce anti-Semitism, who cannot come out and say what's being shown on these college campuses is wrong, these are major Ivy League universities. We have a problem. And as of this day, unless it happens later on tonight, Heather, Sally Kornbluth, the first woman president of MIT, still holds her spot. Although they're saying that, mm-hmm. oh, they're afraid of Claudia Gay because she's black. Well, this white woman, she's still at the helm of MIT, Heather. What do you say about that? I'm not that? sure why. Yeah, I don't know why. I don't think she should be. I, I, from what I've heard, um, some of the testimony before Congress, including of a young woman named Talia Khan, who is a Jewish young woman, a PhD student at MIT, whose father is an Afghani Muslim. She gave a very uh, impressive testimony. I sent it to you. I don't know if you had a chance to watch it, Rob, but she detailed the harassment and abuse of Israeli and other Jewish students at MIT. She was very compelling. And she talked about how there's one Israeli student who hasn't been able to leave his dorm room because of death threats at MIT that she was told uh, by her fellows in a postdoc uh, workshop of some kind that Jews and Israelis want to, quote, enslave the world and are harvesting organs. And when she complained to the DEI officer about that, she was told, oh, well, it, that's true. That's all true. <laughs> so it's not, I don't mean to laugh, so it isn't hate speech. And uh, she talked about how 70% of MIT's Jewish students feel the need to hide their identities. Um, it just sounds like it's wildly out of control there. It's and racism. That's what it is. It's racism. Yeah, yeah and, and harassment. It's not just people out yelling in a demonstration. It's people making wild, uh, you know, false accusations. Oh, you know, in, in class and in completely unrelated classes that have nothing to do with the Middle East. I mean, this girl was a scientist, you know, in a PhD department, and she's being told your people harvest other people's organs, and if you don't like it here, go back to Israel. So, you know, she she filed these complaints with the, the DEI office and was either ignored or told, oh, no, that's not hate speech, it's true. So, I mean, this, these are a bunch of concrete examples of what's gone on at MIT, 
And this president of MIT, you know, not that it matters one way or the other, you know, what somebody's color, race, religion is. She happens to be a Jewish woman, I think, Sally Kornbluth. But, you know, it's gone on under her watch. And, I mean, I don't know why she's still there. Maybe some people are reluctant to accuse someone who themselves is Jewish of anti-Semitism. I don't know if she's anti-Semitic herself, but she's a bad leader, clearly, if this was going on on an ongoing basis and kids were making complaints and it was not being handled. So I think she should go. She should go, but she's still there protected. So I would say to all the Al Sharptons who's saying that this would never happen to a white woman. Well, we have this woman, Sally Kornbluth, who's still the president at this moment of MIT. Now, look at what look well, at the messages she's sending to the world mm-hmm. that you can say all this, you can say whatever, and you can still keep your top spot. Now, imagine, you know, if you will, if this was a white man. And if, if the offenders, or not the offenders, but those who are being harassed were black, he would already be out. And they would already be saying, oh, white man privilege. Yes, I can't believe this. But this woman mm-hmm. is still there. After being on the Hill, testifying on the Hill, and a disastrous testimony, who's protecting her? We know that Barack Obama, whom I just said is the, one, the worst president. He is the author of all this confusion that we have right now. And you mentioned, Heather, during the second block, you said you don't know if he was worse than the person that came after him. I would say that he is, and I would say that he's still in power. I would say that Joe Biden is a defunct presidency of Barack Obama. He's still there. He still has, he's a puppet master, and he's still controlling things. Well, I don't know. I don't know, Rob. I'm not sure about that. I mean, that's a theory, but I think that the left in this country is very lockstep in the, these these beliefs they have, this catechism they have, which is a kind of modern religion, I think. Everything from, you know, global warming apocalypse to, yes, Obama is the Messiah to anybody who disagrees with them is a sinner and a blasphemer. Anybody who doesn't you know, genuflect to the gods of transgender rights and abortion rights and global warming doomsday belief is not just wrong, but wicked and to be shunned. And, and of course, Donald Trump is the devil in this religion, is Satan. And he gets even more focused than anything else. I think more than anything else, they are Satan-obsessed black and white thinkers, like religious fundamentalists. I agree with that. I don't know that Obama is really directing at all. I think it's kind of got a life of its own now. And a lot of them just think in these, these simplistic black and white, basically fanatical terms, and they reinforce each other. And I mean, I, I, I don't know who's driving the train. I don't, you know, I don't but understand it either. He, I don't why understand. won't he as a statesman? call it out why isn't the media saying he should call it out normally they would say we need a statesman who could bring this all together when well, trump they agree was, with trump, it, I, I, exactly they agree with it and when yeah. trump was became president they would come out and say you know bush that the former bush will have to come out and tell trump he needs to step down because he's bad for the country and i remember reading so many articles that they actually believe that bush would do it 
would go to Trump and tell Trump, you know, it's time to step down. I thought these people are insane. And remember, they don't like they didn't like Bush. They detested Bush. But they're saying he has to save the but country. Now Bush he will take on. One. Yeah, now that's what they do. They That's not new. You know, I've, I've noticed since I was a little kid that Democrats love to, to demonize whoever the conservative leader is. And then once that leader's day has passed and the next, you know, that there's liberal and then another conservative comes in, then they say, oh, remember, how, you know, when such and such, he was a decent Republican, not like this evil, crazy, uh, you know, terrible, you know, ruiner of democracy. Like they did it when, you know, they hated W. Bush, but they would say, oh, well, Reagan was, you know, different. He wasn't so bad. You know, now that, you know, W. Bush was the war criminal, la da da. Um, then once he was gone, of course, and it was Trump, then it became, oh, well, W. Bush was the reasonable conservative. You know, Trump is the, the Antichrist threat to democracy. Abnormal, and, and they're doing the same with Chris Christie. You know, Christie doesn't even realize it. <laughs> they don't like Chris Christie, uh-huh. but for some reason he thinks that they like him. So he's out attacking Trump. You know, oh, I thought that they did sort of like him. I thought they did. But he's but they, the one a lot of some like Democrats, him. I don't think they're young radicals. I'm sorry. In the beginning, they didn't like him, but now they like him. Because he's 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 given them what they want. He's attacking Trump, <laughs> right. and they like that. I'm thinking right. again. This just goes back it's so to stupid. it is, and it just goes back to what we were saying. You know how right is wrong and wrong is right, and how our world has been just turned upside down, and it's democracy is at the hanging. It's like swinging in the, in the wind, like trying to hold on. But you have all these insane individuals who are trying to destroy it. When I see the Washington Post, they don't want democracy. They want one party rule, and they think there's only one group that's good. And I, you know, I don't mean to sound like I'm a hypocrite because I know I'm generalizing about them. But I, I, I admit I fall into that. But it's because they, as have been so strident and hysterical and and totally unreasonable all these years and i mean that doesn't mean we should become that way i think most conservatives yes we tend to think along certain lines and have a political philosophy but it's based in rational thought and history and law and order and principles such as equal treatment under the law you know, it's not based in just blind emotion and, and favoring certain groups and obsession with the self and one's own genitals and skin color. And I, you know, I mean, I just think their thing is just so much, it's just so much crazier. I mean, it's not based in any universal principles that they hold themselves to. It's, it's about power for certain groups and certain people being believed to be the oppressors, no matter what, and you know, you're able and allowed to make all kinds of assumptions about someone based on their color or their, their sex or whatever, and then I make all kinds of assumptions about someone else based on their color. I mean, it's just like a childish little, you know, formulation that this is what they've elevated, and um, it just seems so. It's so. It's 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 
it just it's it's stupid and it's reductionist and it's it's infuriating it just is but i mean it's but we have to keep in mind it, it isn't everybody there are people out there who still are democrats who are not completely wedded to this identity politics thing but it does seem like the younger kids i mean they're a lot of them are, are quite indoctrinated in it well let me know. ask you this heather and with so, everything that everything that we're saying and i'd mentioned this earlier on in both blocks of the show that i believe that we're marching toward a civil war in this country another civil war not. uh but it, it certainly looks like it because people are angry they're frustrated and we keep asking them to take more, take more. And you just can't turn a blind eye and just say that everything is okay when you see that things are not okay. When you look around you, you look at our big cities, you see the decay, you see the crime on the news. And although Eric Adams is saying that the murder rate is down, as soon as he said it, someone else was killed. It's like, come on, you know, what numbers are you reporting? I, I think I think that we're I think things are going to explode eventually, and I, I don't want that to happen. But when you look at it, all roads yeah. are leading to that. And when we can't get basic truth out there, when we have people that are supporting the bad guy, so to speak, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. Well, I think it's important to keep expressing ourselves peacefully. I, I, one caveat, I mean, I hesitate to say this, but I don't think the left in this country wants a civil war. They don't I, want it, but I they're going to get it. Well, the thing is, basically, how can I put this? I don't, I, I think there are elements of the left that could be mobilized to fight, you know, and we saw it in 2020. Most liberals, can I be candid with you? White liberals do not want to physically fight, first of all. <laughs> they don't. They I'm can't. not saying they should. Yeah. So, I mean, what, they don't want a civil war. I mean, what kind of war? I mean, there, I think the there young are people. Have, people the young people are so indoctrinated. Tough. Yes. And the, you know, the young people, especially young people who grow up in tough minority communities and yeah, I mean, they they could fight physically for sure, God forbid, God, you know what I mean? But, you know, that's the scary thing. If they were stirred up by these liberals who, believe me, the liberals are, the white liberals are not going to be doing the fighting themselves. I can tell you that much right now. So, I mean, I, the only saving grace is that I don't think those people, I mean, they... They are, let me just say, I mean, on the whole, they're physical cowards. Thank God. So, I mean, I don't think they want a fight with conservative America, a physical fight or something. I mean, I, I just don't think that that would happen. I think if it started to happen, it, you know, it would be over pretty quickly. I mean, the only caveat would be, yes, you know, young people who grow up in tough neighborhoods and people, you know, who if they could be manipulated into doing the fighting, yeah, you know, then you could see something get ugly, I guess. I just hope people come to their senses before that. And I, I don't think that um, white liberals and in general educated sort of liberals, regardless of race, I, I don't think those people want to fight a war. 
they, I mean, they, part of the way they do what they do is just they're in their ivory towers and their media little, you know, enclaves. And this is all theoretical for them, as we've discussed many times. Most of them have plenty of money and privilege and, you know, to borrow one of their favorite words, privilege and connections. And they haven't really had to face the harsher realities of life, which is part of why they hold the unrealistic views they do, and they're able to promulgate those views. And it's all like a fantasy, you know, but I think if things started to get real, I mean, look, one day, January 6th, which I called the day conservatives were bad, because it was, it was admittedly, it was a bad scene. It was an embarrassment. It was, it was, I'm not minimizing how ugly it was, but it was one freaking day they have been obsessing about for, what is it, three and a half years now as the most heinous, cataclysmic day of their lives and imaginings. I mean, that was, as we both know, not a true, it was not an insurrection. It wasn't a, a planned and orchestrated effort to overthrow the United States government. It was a, a mob. It was a, a protest that the tur- took a bad turn and became violent. So I'm not saying it wasn't wrong, but it was, I mean, it was one one millionth of what a true insurrection would be if right. conservatives who are armed yeah. to the teeth in this country were organized. So my point is just they don't want that. They don't want that because for one thing, that that would be really scary and it would be bloody and they'd lose. Probably. Right. Well, let me say so this because we're up against the time. I, yeah. I agree with you. I hear what you're saying. They don't want it, but it's coming if things don't change fast. Well, all out of time. I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. And I want to say you got to come back again because we're going to continue to have these great conversations throughout the year on After Dark with Robert Andrew on AmericaOutloud.com. Thank you. Good night. And God bless. <laughs>